Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to another week. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back to If I Didn't Laugh, I'd Cry. How is everybody doing? How's your week been? How are you feeling? What you've been thinking? What's been pressing on your mind? You know, um, I hope you've had a good week, personally. Um, I'm doing good. It's been a good week. The mental fog is lifted, you know. It comes for a week and a bit, it lifts, it goes until next time you get me. So I'm feeling really good, feeling happy, feeling upbeat. Um, it's been an exciting week as well. Olivia hasn't been feeling too good, but then she told me that she was elected class council um, or school council, whichever one it is. Um, but I think she, like goes to little school meetings and stuff and represents how cute is that how cute is that i'm so happy for her and so proud of her she tried she applied for it um one year i think it was like year three or something like that and she didn't get it and you know when i was talking about um when i was talking to her about it she was all like i didn't let it like stop me and i was like no you didn't no you didn't (laughs) it's funny because this girl is such a shy girl you know, she doesn't like public speaking, but then she's happy to do things like this. I just think she's a she's like her mom. She likes things on her terms. You know what I mean? She's not good at doing certain things when it's like she has to do it or somebody else has put her in a spotlight. But when it's on her terms, she goes in it prepared. So I'm shocked that she wanted to apply for it in the first place, that she wanted to go for it in the first place. But I'm so happy for her. Proud mom, proud mom moment. Anyway, um, that's it really. That's all the update from this week. Work is working, you know what I mean? Same same things, different weeks. You get me? When am I going to get out of this rat race? When am I going to become a princess that stays at home and just spends money on things she doesn't need and waits for the second coming of Jesus? When is that going to happen? Because I'm waiting for that day. Anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> 
have absolutely nothing to get off my chest. Um, and I don't have an embarrassing story personally, but I've got you. I've got you some embarrassing stories. So, meeting my boyfriend's parents turned into a disaster. God forbid. Let me preface this by saying that I'm a, I'm a nervous, awkward person. Not to a point where it's debilitating, brackets usually, but enough to need to explain it. Anyways, long story short, on Christmas, I met my boyfriend's parents. The meeting was fine. I was kind of nervous as I've never met anyone's parents before. And this one could certainly be the one. As we all leave their house, they watch me back out of the driveway and demolish the side of the car parked street side. I don't get that. Oh, demolish the side of a car parked street side. I backed into the car and everyone saw. (laughs) I would go hot. I would go hot. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I would be so flustered that I would jump out of the car and I would be like, oh, what do I do? Do I write a note? What do I do? Do you know the neighbor? Because I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, I would be so hot. Then I would straight start going, I can't afford this. I can't afford this. I would be so embarrassed. If I was by myself, it would be like a blip. But because I've just met my man's parents, I would, I, I could, I'm all right for that, to be honest. I'm all right for this happening. I would think those are the moments where you wish there was do-overs, where you could just rewind ne? and just go back two minutes from that time. You know what I mean? So you can check all your bearings, see Wagwan. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you actually imagine? Nah, sorry, Sha. Sorry, sis. Sorry about that. <laughs> This question is something that has come up and that's made me go, you know what? Even us, even us Christians, we have questions like this. So I thought it would be a good one to read from the atheist community. Question. Why does God care about human faith in the first place? What's in it for him? I've been confused about an integral faucet to pop religion. And I haven't seen anyone seriously pose the question, so I thought I'd bring it up here and see if anyone has any ideas slash answers. So we know that the gods um, that the gods in most major religions want one thing, complete submission from human to their will, which can be displayed entirely through sheer faith, in brackets, the idea generally being that you can get into heaven as long as you believe, even if you've never played, you've never prayed or been to a church in your life. My simple question is, why? Why does God care so deeply about human faith? Not only does he care, he seems to concern himself with our beliefs to an obsessive extent. The answer is obvious from an atheist perspective, power lies in community support and marketing. The more people support their business, the more power, control and money you have to work with, especially once the church was considered equal in power or more powerful to the to the then ruler, be it the king, president, or whatever. Followers is by far the biggest asset to success here on earth. No cult can survive without members. No business can survive without customers. If God is made up and the church is just a bunch of people trying to maintain power, it absolutely stands to reason that simply gaining and keeping followers is more important than anything else. But from a theist perspective, this makes utterly no sense. In the past, you might 
be able to brush it off as God's being self-absorbed knuckleheads who find um, simple amusement in playing with human life. But modern religions, especially Christianity, turn to the narrative around as God being all loving. So that throws out the excuse of God is just a D-I-C-K. The most likely conclusion to draw is that God's gain power from human worship somehow. But the Christian God is also all powerful. So that's out. There is also the problem that God isn't just a little bit intrigued. He's very actively invested in our faith to the point where he has no issue throwing us into eternal damnation if we don't have faith. But at the same time, he's unwilling to show proof of himself. And further, we are designed to require proof, but are intentionally um, deprived of any information. It's like tossing a mouse in a cage with several touch-sensitive bombs hidden underneath, then getting irrationally angry at the mouse for unknowingly triggering one of the bombs and killing itself. So that was a mouthful. That was a long question um, or statement, for example. I feel like this person is grappling with this idea of God, you know? And I find that really interesting, that most, most atheists tend to be grappling with the God idea, they I, they probably think about it more than we think about it. They probably are trying to see God, but they don't see God. Therefore, they conclude all the time, surely God is not real because X, Y, and Z. It's like in their lives, they live on the other side of life. Whereas I'm seeing God in every single thing. They're not seeing God in every single thing, but we're both, we're both actively like talking about God or thinking about God. I don't know if I'm making sense. So reading this, um, you know, the most religions, gods want obedience or complete submission to from humans to their will. Um, okay, I can't speak for other gods. You know what I mean? I genuinely can't speak for other gods, neither do I care to. However, I know my God. I know the biblical God. You get me? And... God's requirement of our submission from our will to his will is not for God's benefit, but it's for our benefit. Now, stay with me here. Let me start off by, you know, going to the end where, you know, there's a problem that God is just a little intrigued. He's very actively invested in our, in our faith to the point where he's got no issue throwing us in eternal damnation you know what? Let me start from the beginning. <laughs> Let me just break it, break it up. Yeah. Goodness. You never know. I never know how to do these things. Let me just break it up. Okay. So we know that the gods in most major religions want one thing, complete submission from humans to their will, which can be displayed entirely through sheer faith. Um, my simple question is why does God care so deeply about human faith? Not only does he care, he seems to concern himself, I believe, to an ex obsessive extent. Okay, imagine you invent a, a, a device, all right? Now, this is just the human in the physical world. You invent a device. You are going to be pretty obsessed with how that device performs, right? That's why when you download an app, because somebody has developed that app, there's bugs. They fix those bugs because people are complaining. Ah, da, 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 there's bugs. Is there. So they're fixing those bugs. That's their baby. When you have kids, you are obsessed with your kids. <laughs> you want them to do well. You know, you are shaping them, you know, 
to, you are shaping and molding them and conditioning them into this world. And you are watching them closely when that's why parents are disappointed when their child says, I want to be this. And that's not the idea that a parent has or had their parents are like, rah, like I thought, you know, you'd be better suited for this, 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 because we have an idea of a direction that our kids should go. Now, these are poor ideas because I'm just using the human mentality, the human logic. Right. So I'm not saying that parents are perfect or developers are perfect or anything like that. I'm just looking at it from the physical world. So now you who has got a kid, who has had, who has got kids, you are watching your kids closely. You care about what your kids achieve. You care about how your kids misbehave. You want them to behave well. You want them to have good manners. Somebody could call you borderline obsessive. You care about who they're dating, who their friends are. You care about that. You don't want them to fall into trouble. You know what? If you can, if you can, give them a script based on what you did and the things that you, the trouble that you fell in so that your child can avoid all of those things like a minefield you would, right? But you can't because your kid has got their own minds as well. And if we look at it from a programming something, creating a device, let's say you create a mobile phone, you as the creator, you can do everything you can to program this thing to perform the way you want it to perform. And at times it doesn't do exactly how you programmed it and you have to go in and do little fixes. You become obsessed. That's your baby. What more God? The God who created the heavens and the earth. What more that God? Right? Not only are you his creation, not only are we his creation and everything living that's in it, the flowers, the plants, the fish, the, the animals in the safari, everything that you love to observe and to marvel at, God created, including you, and he created you in his image. Why not? Why shouldn't he be obsessed? So that's the question I would ask. Why shouldn't he be interested and obsessed in your outcome and your life and what you do okay so that's a counter question on that right why does god care so deeply about the human faith why not why shouldn't he care about um deeply about the human faith again being our creator right and being an invisible god so to speak and again he's an invisible god because we broke that connection we had with that communion the communion we had with him in the beginning we broke that because sin entered the world and now there's a veil between us and god there's a separation between us and god right um so why shouldn't he care about our faith because in hebrews um chapter 11 verse 1 it says let me just go and read it. You know, I don't like misquoting scripture personally. Okay, so Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, so if we have faith for things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, it means you are believing in a God that hasn't revealed himself to you physically. And we know why he doesn't reveal us, himself to us physically. He's holy and we're not. And his glory, his glory is we are unable to withstand his glory because we are fallen. We are sinners. We are not holy, glorious people, if that makes sense. Um, so why wouldn't he care about our faith? Why wouldn't he care about whether we believe in him or not? All right. Um, so. 
The answer is obvious from an atheist perspective. Power lies in community support, marketing, yada, yada, yada. Right? Yeah, the cult needs members to survive. A company needs customers, basically, to survive and to do well. Yes, correct. But God doesn't need humans for God to be God. Okay? God doesn't need us in order for him to be God. Regardless, God will always be God. Okay? So... He is not interested in you and me so that he can be powerful. He's already all powerful. And I know that you touch that or you touch on that. Um, when you say the most likely conclusion to draw is that God's gained power from human worship somehow, but the Christian God is also all powerful. So that's out. It's definitely out. It's definitely out. Our God doesn't need human worship to feel powerful or to be powerful or to charge up his energy and to basically say you're in you're out you're in you're out right but and you know god needing a church member a church and church members for you know for it to survive or anything like that um church is a bunch of people trying to maintain power it absolutely sounds to reason that simply gaining and keeping followers is more important than anything else that's true for some churches right? That's true for some, if not most churches, most Christian churches, this is the case. Okay. And including Seventh-day Adventist churches, actually, let me just be controversial in that sense. However, true Bible believing Christians, their church would undergo a transformation and reformation because they will always get back to the basics of what the Bible teaches. So if I've got any Seventh-day Adventists listening, we better check ourselves and see what our church is focused on. I was talking to a pastor one time and he was like, oh, people haven't come back. The members are preferring to be on Zoom because of, you know, COVID, rare, rare, rare. And my response to him was, why do you care? Like, if people aren't coming in your church, aren't leaving their homes to come to church, that's not your problem. Your job and your duty is to do church. Your job is to come in church, to have the program, and people will leave their sofas at their own accord and at their own will, right? Your job is not to draw people in by going, people, you need to come to church, right, right, right. Your job is to just do your job. Speak the word of God. Preach the word of God. And the praise team's job is just that, to go and lead the congregation in worship and praise to God. 
when the service is banging yeah let me say it like that when the service people can feel the spirit of god moving naturally people will be drawn to go to church they don't want to miss that something special was happening there right but to care about numbers to be like ah our church has only got 30 members you know and we want to have 50 members that's that's a mistake you know what i mean i do agree that it's about power as well but i also think it's about the money right and, you know, for Seventh-day Adventists, I don't know if it's about the money necessarily as opposed to just having the numbers. You get me? Um, but that's not what church is all about. Church is about encouraging one another in Christ, you know, being around like-minded people who is going, who are going through the same journey, the same struggles as you and sharing your stories, encouraging them through the word of God. You understand me? Because it could be hundreds of us, but all of us are spiritually dead. So what are we doing there? But if it's 50 of us who are spiritually sound and 50 of us who are spiritually dead, church is supposed to be basically a hospital, a hospital for the spiritually sick, where people come in and they gain words of encouragement. They find their purpose again because they're unlike-minded people. So it's not about the numbers. It's about the message. It's about the content, the content. Yeah, it's not the quantity, but it's the quality. Yeah, that's what church is supposed to be about. However, God doesn't need that. God isn't requiring numbers in order for him to be God. God will always be God. You know what I mean? It's hard for us to say what's, what's in it for God when, in fact, he was there in the beginning. We weren't. We're created. We're his subjects. Okay. The problem is that um, the problem, there's also a problem that God isn't just a little bit intrigued. He's very actively invested in our faith to the point where he has no issue throwing us into internal, eternal damnation if we don't have faith. You are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. <laughs> eternal damnation, it can be interpreted as death, eternal death, because the wages of sin is death. Um, that's going to be the case if you reject God, if you reject Jesus actively knocking at the door, seeking out your life. Now, again, all have been dealt with a measure of faith. So all of us question this questionable things, these supernatural things. All of us at some point, we've had a thought and we've questioned it. Now, there is light that's given to all of us. We're all born with the light as well. We've read that in John. Now, when you reject this and you say there is no God, you have decided not to have faith. You, you have it. But you have decided to reject the idea of faith, to reject the idea of a God. Now, if you have decided, or let's go to the product maker, you're the product maker, and this equipment, this piece of tech just isn't working. There's nothing you can do. What do you do? You destroy it. <laughs> you destroy it. Okay? The kids analogy. If your child has decided, I don't want, has decided to basically cut everybody off and do whatever they want to do, everything that goes against your morals, values, and beliefs, right? Now, you may not say, oh, I'm cutting you off forever. 
But you detach yourself from that. You, you love them from a distance. You get what I'm saying to you, right? That's a lesser e- example of how God works. Now, this is chance after chance. But one thing that I think needs to be absolutely clear and absolutely certain to everybody is the fact that God isn't just going around destroying people and throwing them into a lake of fire without due cause. These are the infections of the world. These are the reasons why the world isn't a great place. The earth isn't a great place. These are the, the, the we call them chigawengas, the, the thugs, right? And I'm using harsh words, but these are the drunkards, the revelers, the idolaters, the adulterers. These are they. And you can say, well, I'm a good person. Search, do me a favor, do an exercise. Say, God, I don't know if you are real or not, but search me. Reveal to me the evil and the wrong that I do. Trust me, you're going to be shocked. These are the ones who gossip about people. These are the ones who laugh at people instead of helping them. These are the ones who actively say, Christians are mad. Christians are mad. These times, you're busy saying, don't judge me though. Why are you judging me? Why are you judging me? These are they. We are all sick. We are all sick. Okay? We are all sick with this sin. However, there are some of us who accept that we are sick with sin. There are some of us who accept that we are not perfect and we seek God to help us, right? So the full total submission, right? The full total submission and why does God require worship and all these things? Throughout scripture, God hasn't demanded praise or told people that they they must praise and worship him. God's never done that. With the children of Israel, he said, let them go so they may go and worship me and praise me. Because, again, if we deep where the children of Israel were coming from, these are um, literally Israel, Jacob's descendants. Right? These are Abraham coming from a lineage of all them, all them patriarchs there. You get me? So these Israelites were now in Egypt where their, their type of worship was different to the Israelites. And God was saying, they are, um, I don't know, lately English has been difficult. They're, they're squeezed, they're squeezed in this land. They're slaves, but release them so they may go and worship me. So they may go and worship the God that they know and love in the wilderness, right? But he's never said, you must give me glory. You must praise me. I haven't read that so far. So if I'm wrong, quote, 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 where it comes from. Because as far as I'm concerned, It's all a choice. However, one thing that is clear is the Bible says every knee shall bow. The thing is, at some point, all you non-believers or people who are, uh, you know, between the fence, you know, who are just on the edge of, I don't know, I don't know, right? At some point, people are going to have to concede. At some point, people will concede and say, truly, truly, God is real. And truly, we, we were wrong, right? So God demands respect and an acknowledgement that he is God, right? That's what he wants. He wants people to reverence his name. He's a powerful God. Imagine your child coming home and talking to you anyhow. Talking to you anyhow. You're going to say, excuse me? <laughs> if Olivia came over and started talking to me anyhow, you're going to say, pardon? Sorry? Me, your mother, me, 
right? You are going to be confused. Who are you talking to? God wants you to talk to him like you've got some respect, yeah? Acknowledge that you are talking to a powerful, you are talking about a powerful God. You are talking about a God who borrows you breath every single day. Tell me, which one of us wake up at our own merit? Which one of us? Which one of us wills, says, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Who? We hope we wake up. Right? So God wants you to reverence his name. God wants you to acknowledge that. This is a powerful God, right? And this is what I was saying. Those who do not acknowledge, those who do not respect, those who do not reverence the God, God's name, those are the people who, why are you, gonna, why are you now going to go to heaven and have eternal life? when you've chosen your own path, when you've chosen self, okay? Um, when one truly encounters God and surrenders their life to God, praising and worshiping God is a response to the realization of God. When we realize that our God is a loving God with emotions and is also powerful God, full of judgments for on those who do evil, your natural response is to fall on your knees and worship. However, it is a mistake to say God demands our worship or rather that it, what's in it for him, you know? It's not what's in it for him as opposed to what's in it for you. He invites you to come to him so he can fulfill your life, so he can bless you. And when you choose self and reject this invitation, he doesn't force you or coerce you. He lets you live out your choices. But just as the Israelites saw that life without God was intensely tougher, so do we learn the same. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to acknowledge the difference between a life with God and a life without. I want you guys to really deep and understand that. Okay, there is nothing in it for God that you can give besides you, right? Your life is not your life not perishing is his joy, but there is a lot in it for you and your natural response is to worship. Love is a captain of the ship and God is love. Remember, God doesn't need us to be God, but we need God to be us. Remember that there's nothing in it for God necessarily. Right? And I say necessarily because his joy is your life. His joy is you not dying. His joy is you not perishing. You know what I mean? But what's in it for you? Deep that. No sickness, no death, no sorrow. You know, we can read all of this. In fact, let's go and read it. Let's go and read it. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Um verse 21 sorry revelation verse 20 goodness revelation chapter 21 um verse 4 revelation 21 verse 4 and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death no sorrow no crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away then he uh, verse 5 then he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new and he said to me, write these words, for they are true and faithful. That's what's in it for you. This life, you lose your loved ones, you cry, you weep. This, this life, you know, you go through abusive relationship because, relationships because somebody just can't control their anger. Anger being a sin, by the way. Don't let anyone provoke you. to. Don't let anyone, you know, be angry, but don't let it make you sin basically i'm misquoting but that's the gist of what it says 
anger is an emotion. But when you now are reacting to a point where you're beating somebody, you've let that anger provoke you, push you to sin. You get me? And that's not cool. You know, murder is not cool. There'll be no more pain. No more sorrow, no more death. None of this. You'll never lose a loved one again. That's what's in it for you. You know, all your wounds would be healed. That's what's in it for you. You will walk the streets of gold. That's what's in it for you. You will walk outside and not be worried about a man abducting you, about being raped. That's what's in it for you. You will walk outside and, and not be scared of gang rivalry because of postcodes. That's what's in it for you. You will not live your life in terror. You will not live your life in terror. Sin has torn us all apart. Sin has confused us. Sin has divided us as a people. Sin has separated us from God, right? And I'm saying separated us as in like our minds are so separate from God that we tend to look at ourselves and look at what we desire, what we want, what we want to do on this earth because for some reason we think this is it. But if this is it, then are we just waiting for our death? And if we're just waiting for our death, what's the point? What's the point of making all these memories of trying to live a happy life um, if all we're doing is waiting for death? You know, but let me read you some good news. Let me read you some good news. This is one of my favorite verses. In Romans 8, verse 37, 38 to 39. Verse 37 to 39. Let me just say it like that, making it awkward. Yet in all these, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Don't miss this. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, love. God loves you. Christ loves you. There is nothing fundamentally in it for him besides you being alive, you living and dwelling with him and living with him because he loves you so much. He doesn't want you to perish. But for you, there is a lot more in it for you. You are going to be reunited with your maker. Things, the balance of things will be back to what they were supposed to be. Dwelling in, dwelling with God, living in glory. We were created in glory for glory. I always say that. We we're created in love for love. I always tell you guys that, right? So sin has separated our mentality to know the truth, to know what God's voice sounds like, to know when, when, you know, to know the truth about life, to know the truth about sin, right? To know the truth that the devil exists. Sin has separated that communion, that connection with God. But seek God, seek God and you will find him. Seek God and he will reveal himself to you. The Bible tells us to seek him diligently, to seek wisdom and he will give it to us. Okay. So, um, going back to this, right? We're, we are, and further, we are designed to require proof by intentionally deprived of any information. We've got all the information in the Bible. It's just you don't want to read it with, with an open mind and spiritual 
context. You know what I mean? People just want to limit it to a historic book or to, to fiction. Is it fiction or non-fiction? Whichever one. Whichever one is the folklore and the, the tales and fairy tales. That one. Um, you know... It's like tossing a mouse in a cage with several attached sensitive bombs hidden underneath and getting irrationally angry at the mouse for unknowingly triggering, triggering one of the bombs and killing itself. That's not true about God. That's very false about God. God sorrows. God, God is sad when we are not giving, our, giving him our weaknesses. God is sad when we reject, we reject him. That's why I say he leaves you to, to live out your choices. But the Bible says, behold, I stand knocking at the door. Let me in. Let me in. Right? Our, our God's strength starts when ours stop. When we stop fighting it, that's when God takes over. And you see that all the minefields, these, these minefields, you've said that the little bomb set up, right? When you give your strength over to God, you realize that it becomes easier to navigate those minefields. You just, you just, you just don't know how, but you know you're doing it. And that's God. You know, you're even shocked. But that's God. So let's not front. You know, this is a crisis this this question to me strikes me as somebody who's having a crisis somebody who is seeking the truth but obviously not in the way of wanting to actually find answers but rather wanting this to be in a echo chamber to be around the echo chambers of you know other atheists saying yeah exactly that's why god is bogus exactly but let's let's turn scripture together Page after page, we will find that God is just and God is loving and God cares about you and God doesn't want you. When Joshua was taken over for Moses after Moses had died, God says to Joshua at least three times, only I will never leave you nor forsake you. Only be strong and courageous. He says, this is your end of your bargain. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Why shouldn't you be strong and courageous and not be afraid? Because I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are not going to go to any battle alone. Just don't be afraid. You are not going to navigate these, um, this wilderness alone, these Canaanites alone. I will be there with you. That's what God is saying to every single one of us. Only be strong and courageous. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When Jesus was ascending back to heaven, he said, Lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. That's a promise. So no, you are not left to navigate a minefield by yourself. And you know what? The more of a close relationship you have with Christ, the more you have a relationship with God, the more you're able to discern these things. Spiritual things discern spiritual things. You know what I mean? So now when I leave the house and somebody is yap, yap, yapping, having rage, I just think to myself, yo, that's not a spirit of God. That's not a godly spirit. When I feel myself getting angry and heated, I literally say, yo, this is not the spirit of God. We call them principalities. <laughs> these are principalities. These are, these are the things that entice us to be, to be so bound to this earth, to the flesh. But the things of the spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, as we read in Galatians, this, that's, this is not it. So let us relinquish our strength and allow God's strength to begin because he's made a promise. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, you know? 
So we're not left alone to navigate a minefield like a mouse would, like this analogy of a mouse would, because as we've read in Romans 8, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord, nothing. So I hope this has been informative. I hope it has been helpful. I hope we've learned something. And if I have spoken in error, please forgive me. Um, and if I have misquoted or misinterpreted the Bible, then please get in touch. You know what I mean? Let's learn together and let's, you know, iron sharpens iron after all. So let's, uh, let's help each other with the growth because, you know, that's how we learn and that's how we grow. <laughs> so um, let's leave us with something. Let's leave us with something. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Wah, wah, wah. I'm sorry the episode is over, but please tune in next week for another exciting journey. Goodbye, goodbye, bye, bye, bye. Have good vibes. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.